Thanks, Nick. You know, it's a bit unfair that he announces the camel's not coming right before I have to get up and speak. So it's like, just bring the whole room to a level of disappointment, and then I guess I got nowhere to go but up from here. So thanks, Nick, for that introduction. I appreciate it. We could have held the camel announcement to the end, but... um, Riding camels isn't all what it's cracked up to be. They spit, they bite, and do a lot of other things. So, uh, But go ahead and take a picture, and let's see what happens this afternoon. So I don't know. <laughs> camels need Jesus. They really do. So, <laughs> All right. Okay, well, uh, this is my first time ever to North Central University these two days, ever. And, and I've been to like all of the other AG colleges, and so this is my first time here, and it's been an amazing two days. You know, here, here's what struck me, because you know, your, your first time, you know, you come in the chapel, you're standing there, the, the, the music starts to play, and I get pushed out of the way by four or five students making their way to the front to worship and to really go for it down front. I'm like, I like this, this is good. So, you know, I'm just appreciative of the spirit that's here, and really this, you know, Antioch Society, this Antioch Initiative is, it, it just beats with the heartbeat of God. You know, when you start talking about the unreached and the unreached peoples of the world, you know, you're, you're using God's language and God's heartbeat. And so, you know, I can, I just want to encourage you, you know, I, I brought with me, you know, the, the brochure that's here. And I know that you heard yesterday and I heard I was here an incredibly challenging message from Dick Brogdon. How many of you were challenged yesterday? How many of you were left just a little bit like, whoa, <laughs> you know, and, and so where do we go from there? This is a good place to start if you're not doing anything about this. And so practically speaking, prayer and giving and two outreaches in a month and knowing and, you know, some pretty simple things really, but this is where it begins. And so I encourage you to be a part of the Antioch Society and um, I, I just know that it's going to bless you. Uh, and, and I also know it's going to bless the heart of the Lord, and we're going to see something change in the world. You know, I, as it was mentioned, I'm now uh, the regional director for Asia Pacific, about 38 countries under uh, the part of the world that I oversee, and, um, you know, just a lot of needs that are out there. Uh, after chapel today, we do have a table set up in the lobby, and so if you're curious about needs or curious about the countries and places where we have some internships, I also want to encourage you to stop and to visit there. All right, let's get into God's Word. Uh, This morning, I want to read to you from uh, Acts chapter 16, verses 6 to 10, and probably a passage in the Bible that most missionaries are aware of and talk about, Uh, but it is certainly a passage in the Bible that, you know, we know the stories of the book of Acts. And so today I really want to talk about, you know, as you sit in your place here at North Central University and you're thinking about the future 
and you're wondering about the who's and the what's and the how's and the where's, and, and, and I'm only bringing up those questions because it doesn't feel like even for me, even though it's been 30 years that I sat in the same place where you're sitting, and those same questions were rolling around inside of me about the what, the where, the who, the how, and, and as they rolled around inside of me, I was seeking after the Lord, and so I think Acts chapter 16 is going to help us today to come to a place where some of those things either can be answered or a way in which we can find answers for those things. Acts chapter 16, again, starting with verse 6, says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came back to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. May God add his blessing to the word this morning. You know, when you read through this story of the Bible, uh, it's more famously known as what people call as getting the Macedonian call. You know, it's clear here that the Apostle Paul was trying to figure out where it was that God wanted him to go. And through this uh, vision that he received from a man from Macedonia, he concludes that this is where he needed to go. You know, famously among missions and missionaries, many times the Macedonian call is used uh, to uh, find a lifelong country call or a lifelong people call. Uh, You know, I want to just say this morning that I don't believe that this passage of Scripture is telling us that the Macedonian call was even a lifetime call. What these verses of Scripture are telling us are how Paul discerned how he would go about finding where it was that God wanted him to be. A couple things this morning I want to pull out of these verses. The first thing is that the sum of Paul's life was that he was led by the Spirit. The sum of the life of the Apostle Paul was that he was led by the Spirit. And students, I want you to know this morning that if there's one thing that could define your ministry and your future, if you could be a man or woman of God defined by a life that is led by the Spirit, you will accomplish great things for Him. You know, I think when we first read this story again, you know, this Macedonian call comes up. There's a couple things about the sum of Paul's life being led by the Spirit. First of which is that there seems to be a daily, but even moment by moment communication between Paul and the Holy Spirit. You know, I think when we consider prayer, we think of it as being done early in the morning or late at night or before meals or at some of these other times. The impression I get from these verses of Scripture is that Paul walked and prayed and everything he did was walking and communicating with the Spirit. 
How many of you have ever met somebody that kind of, it almost seems like they have this ongoing conversation with God? That's a good thing. I want you to know that's a good thing. I, I kind of feel like Paul and Silas, as they traveled here, you know, they seem to have this ongoing conversation with God. Should we go in or should we not go in? Should we minister here or should we not minister here? And somehow, in some way, in their personal lives, they, they were able to come to the place where they could clearly hear the divining voice of the Holy Spirit in their lives. You know, in these pa- in, under this idea of Paul being led by the Spirit, <clears throat> I want to add here that everything wasn't revealed all at one time. In other words, why didn't God just cut to the chase with Paul and say, hey, Paul, just go to Macedonia, would you? Stop wasting so much time. You're going to Bithynia and to Mysia, and now you're in Troas, when in reality God wanted him to go to Macedonia. Listen, all of these things led to Paul having a life of dependency on the Holy Spirit. You know, some people ask me and they say, you know, what, what defines you as a, a Pentecostal? What defines you as someone who's filled with the Holy Spirit? I want you to know this morning that what defines us as people who are filled with the Holy Spirit is a life of dependency upon the Holy Spirit. It's not so much the gifts or the other things that come along with it, but it is a life of dependency and hearing from the Lord. You know, as, as we think about Paul, one of the things I'd say is that what was most paramount in his life was discerning what God wanted him to do and walking that out. You know, when you consider where Paul went, you know, I think we can read these verses in just a few moments. You know, he, he went to, uh, you know, Bithynia and to Mysia and then to Troas, uh, Troas. You know, when it comes to these places, you need to realize that they were literally hundreds of miles apart. He walked. You know, sometimes we, I meet people who are frustrated in trying to find the will of God or trying to find what it is that God wanted them to do. Can you imagine how frustrated Paul must have been as he walked from one place to another place to another place and then to another place? This encompassed a significant amount of time before Paul was able to really know where it was that he was going. And so I challenge all of you today that as you go on the journey with the Holy Spirit, don't be surprised if He sometimes leads you to a dead end. Don't be surprised if along the way you've been led to a certain place and you get there and say, what am I doing here? And then you've got to turn around and either backtrack, but it could be that sometimes the process of what the Lord is trying to do in your life is such that He's developing that dependency before He brings you to the place where He's really going to do His thing. And so what's happened is you've gone to this place and that place and you've moved around a little bit here and there and you're wondering where it is that God is leading you and He's bringing you to a place of dependency upon Him. You know, some of these things also force us to put aside what we think that God has called us to. I wonder if what we think God has called us to and what He really wants us to do is the same. I oftentimes meet people with very specific calls with no room for negotiation with the Lord. 
You know, it's almost as if I'm going to make up my plan and then I'm going to ask God to help me complete my plan. Maybe we should think, what's God's plan, and get on board with God's plan rather than getting him on board with our plan. Now, this is a generational thing. I think that sometimes, you know, it it, it comes to, you know, the fact that in our society today we have so many choices. You know, so, you know, I I went to Starbucks the other day and somebody ordered a tall iced coffee in a grande cup with extra ice, three pumps of hazelnut, an inch of nonfat milk with a dome lid and a venti straw. No, I heard it. I had to write it down. (laughs) Now, I'm okay with their drink. I I don't mind that. But sometimes that's the call of God that we present to the Lord. And if there's no venti straw, then I'm not in, Lord. And God is like, look, I've lined it all up. You got the grande cup for the tall drink with the extra ice and the hazelnut. I'm just not going all the way to the straw. Come on. God says, go to Macedonia. Oh, I'm not called there, Lord. I'm sorry. You know, when, when I was a, a pastor in, in Indonesia, I, uh, my wife and I pastored, um, pioneered and pastored eight churches in our 23 years there. And, you know, I, I loved seeing, you know, especially uh, Muslims and Buddhists and people who don't have Christian orientation come to the Lord. And I used to love when they'd say, so, what is, tell me about this Christian thing. What do I got to do? I loved it when they said this Christian thing. And I would say, well, two things. Love God and do what he tells you to. You know, if you can love God and then just follow what he tells you to do. And, and sometimes we're like, well, I'm still waiting for that to happen. When in reality, his word is filled with what it is we're supposed to be doing. You know, when when Dick got up here yesterday and talked about the unreached parts of the world, that's the mission that he gave us to do. And so when we talk about being led by the Spirit, the sum of our lives need to be led by the Spirit. And And if what you are doing or being led to do is not in some way connected to completing the Great Commission, maybe you should re-examine. Re-examine what it is that you think God has called you to do. I want to say secondly this morning that when we live a spirit-led life, God creates amazing links. You know, what happened when Paul left, uh, you know, and, and went to Macedonia, he met uh, a, a woman named Lydia who her and her family immediately came to the Lord um, as he was going to the place of prayer on a regular basis, his mission was so right that a demon-possessed woman followed behind him and said, these are men of God speaking the words of truth. I mean, the demon-possessed woman was doing a better job of preaching than some of the preachers I know today. <laughs> and so she was following him behind Paul, and she was, you know, literally, I guess, being compelled to, to say who these men were. I mean, you imagine these links that were then created for Paul were absolutely amazing. And so, you know, you you sit here in this chapel and you hear speakers and other people and throughout your life, 
And you hear people talk about these amazing stories and how God lines up all these things. Well, when we are led by the Spirit and we're in the place where God has led us to, He has prearranged the links. He has prearranged the people. He has prearranged all of the things that you'll be needing. And so when, when we follow and when we're led by the Spirit, we, we see that the Lord arranges these amazing links for us just to follow along. God then looks for someone who is listening to send. You know, this is really kind of where we run into our problems too. God looks for someone who is listening in order to be sent. Um, you know, we often miss out on God's adventures because number one, we can't hear Number two, we choose not to hear. And number three, what we hear scares us. And so I, I want to just you know, say to all of us here today, if we could just take a moment and, and say, Lord, open my spiritual ears to hear today. Could we just close our eyes just for a moment and, and, and just pray that prayer personally? Lord, open up my spiritual ears in order to hear what it is that the Spirit is saying, what it is that He's wanting me to do with my life. Lord, open up my ears so that I can hear. You know, if I can just say now a word just about uh, courage. You know, I do think that when you consider that the parts of the world that are still unreached are the difficult places. It's probably been said to you more than one time that all the easy places have been taken. What remains of the unfinished task are the difficult places and the difficult people. And so when we consider that, you know, that is a scary proposition. That is something that would potentially put fear inside of us. And, you know, I, I want to just say, you know, who I was in my, you know, past and, and background. You know, when I grew up as a, a, a kid and a young person, uh, fear was, you know, a part of my regular, you know, just daily life. I had so many fears, I couldn't count them all. Um, you know, when I'd go to the amusement park with my friends, I would hide while they went on the roller coaster because I was too afraid to get on. You know, and then I think about it, I say, you know, how in the world did God choose or want me to go to a Muslim country to tell probably one of the scariest groups in the world about Jesus? One thing I've learned is that courage is not the absence of fear. And that even though we are maybe afraid or there are fears or things that scare us, we ask the Lord, the Spirit of the living God, and something can well up inside of us and help us to overcome our fears. I think that the Spirit of God is calling and His voice is saying that we need to hear what He says and follow Him and go to the peoples who have not yet been reached Finally, Paul and his companions were obedient with a complete abandon. There was a certain recklessness about the way Paul followed the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, as he went into Macedonia, and obviously he has, you know, Lydia and her household, and people are coming to Christ, and then he's got this, you know, woman following behind him, and I guess after a couple of days, Paul was like, hey, I'm the preacher here, not you, and so he cast the demon out of this woman, and apparently she was a, a really good fortune teller, and then as a result of that, the businessmen got mad at him, and he was beaten and thrown into jail. 
You know, so sometimes I want to say here that as we follow after the Spirit and and we're led in that Spirit-led life and we live with this complete uh, abandon before Him, I want you to know that there are sometimes sufferings that are going to be involved in going to those places. You know, I wish I could stand before you today and say, well, you know, it's going to be all good and wherever you go, nothing bad is going to happen. But I I do want to make it very clear that as we commit ourselves to the unfinished task, as we consider all of those peoples that are out there in the lobby and say, you know what, I'm going to commit to one to to do something about it. And, And really, that's what it's going to take. You know, I know we're a bit overwhelmed by the sheer numbers, by even yesterday's message, but if there's one response that would really help us in yesterday's message, it is that you'd go out into the lobby of this chapel and you'd find one people group on that list and say, I'm going to do something about this group. I'm not going to stand by and allow the name of this group to remain there. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to look for a potential to go there. And if we could commit ourselves at least to one of these groups, I believe that God could change the world in which we live. You know, I want to close with an illustration that will kind of give you an idea of where Uh, how lost really many places are around the world. I think missionaries get up and talk about lostness, and a a lot of times, you know, we look around ourselves even and say, man, everyone around me is lost too. What's really the difference? Um, Back in uh, 2004, uh, I came down with um, typhoid. So uh, I don't know if anyone here has ever had typhoid. It was actually my second bout of typhoid, and uh, typhoid has got to be one of the worst things that you can, you know, get sick with, and so um, I'm sick with typhoid, and the missionaries were having a retreat in another country, and so all of the AG missionaries left Indonesia and went to another country, and I was the only one left in the country, and it was during that time that Indonesia experienced the tsunami back in 2004. So there were two ways for me to conclude it. You know, God left me here in Indonesia and potentially wanted to kill me in the tsunami. Or he wanted me to be around during the tsunami, you know. So anyway, when that happened and and we saw the vast amount of suffering that was taking place in the island of Sumatra, like Paul, I concluded that the Lord wanted us to go there and do something about it. So, you know, as a, we had a local church, we put together some food and, and other items that we were going to bring up to help with the tsunami, you know, victims and whatnot. And as a result of contacts, the Indonesian Air Force uh, had a C-130 that flew our supplies up to uh, the area. And so we, we, were, we, we went up there on commercial flights and started to uh, distribute the, um, you know, the things that were uh, needed, but the capital where we were was the only place that we could go because the tsunami had gone at least a mile inshore, and all boats were gone, all roads were gone, and Indonesia only has two helicopters, like in the whole country. So helicopter was the only way to get around, and um, the USS Abraham Lincoln, which was one of our aircraft carriers, came there, and uh, when the when the commander on the ground was there, I, I met him and started to talk to him, and he heard me speaking, and he, 
And he said, oh, you speak Indonesian? And I said, yeah. And he goes, son, you're working for the Navy now. <laughs> and, and what happened was the soldiers would land in all these places along the devastated coast, <clears throat> and these big American soldiers would jump out of the helicopter and say, where are the injured people? Where are the injured people? And the Achenese would go, ah, we've been destroyed by a tsunami, and now aliens are invading from outer space. Because, you know, shockingly enough, Achenese don't speak English, right? So, you know, so the, 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 the Achenese were confused, and the soldiers were having a hard time, so I got recruited as a translator. And along the west coast of Sumatra, a hundred... Uh, of the 240,000 people that died in the tsunami, by the way, worst like natural disaster in human history, quarter of a million people died like in a few minutes. Um, 170,000 of them died along that west coast of Sumatra. But did you know that in the tsunami, not one Christian died and not one church was destroyed? It's because there was not one church to be destroyed and not one Christian to die. What a sad tragedy. 170,000 souls in the blink of an eye went to eternity without Jesus. There are people like the Achenese all over the world who face an eternity without Christ. And I know there's a lot of places you could go. I know there's a lot of things you could do but I'm asking you this morning that as we close this chapel, whatever's on your mind to do, that you'd lay it aside for a few moments and say, is there something else, Lord? Would you lead me potentially somewhere else to some other people? And so I want to ask if you'd stand this morning. I'm going to ask Robert to just come back. And I know we're going to have a time of prayer for the nations both here and in the, in the lobby, but... Um, I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes. Let's just take a solemn moment before the Lord this morning. This is a personal moment with the Lord, so heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I just want to ask, if you're here this, today, this morning, and as we close out this chapel time, you know, we've had this Antioch week, and you've heard Dick's message, and some of the classes, and, you know, different things, and, and, and you would just say, you know what, I came here with a certain idea of what I wanted to do, but right now, God is gripping me to say, I'm redirecting your course, and that course ahead may seem difficult. And, and so I want to say a prayer for you this morning. That if that's you and you're saying, you know what? Pray for me because I think God is redirecting my course. Not the course I originally thought I was on, but a new course that may take me to the nations. I just want you to raise your hand right now. I want to pray for you. God is redirecting your course potentially. Thank you for those that are responding. Thank you for those that are responding. Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray for my friends who are saying, Lord, the Lord is redirecting my course. Call them for the nations, O Lord. 
Lord, that men from places like Macedonia and women from places like Macedonia would appear and, and, and their visions and dreams and say, come help me. Lord, I pray that they would be the answer to prayers being prayed even right now in some of the places in the world that are in the middle of their night and there are people lying awake saying, Lord, send someone to help me. Lord, I pray that you'd look down on North Central University and send someone to help them, Lord. Send someone to help them. Send someone to change the course of their nation. Send someone to change the destiny of their nation, Lord, which is without you, O oh God. Lord, for those who are responding and others maybe who said yes even before they came here, Lord. Lord, make it make a difference in eternity, Lord Jesus. So we thank you, Lord, and we pray, Lord, that you'd use each and every one of us, O oh God. I'm going to ask Nick if he'd come, and he's just going to give us some directions on the prayer, but this is just my closing, and thank you so much for listening, and may God bless you. We'll be here afterwards to pray with you and to share with you if you need that.